It's much better, just theologically, generally, if we start by thinking, what is God doing? And so I would see mission not so much as meeting, in, not so much in terms of meeting human need, the need for the gospel, or need for help and support, or in terms of our actions, but we should define mission in terms of what God is doing. Hello and welcome to Independence, the FIEC podcast. I'm Adrian Reynolds, Head of National Ministries, and I'm joined today by Eddie Arthur. Hello, Adrian. Thanks so much for coming down. You've journeyed down the M1 to be here, haven't you? I have, yes. Battled through the snow and the fog and whatever else, McDonald's. and um, something like that. Here you are. Um, Just tell us a little bit about yourself, Eddie. Who are you? Where are you from? Um, So much to say. Um, As I said, my name's Eddie. I... Grew up in Sunderland, in the northeast of England. Um, I work with Wycliffe Bible Translators, uh, a mission organisation who uh, are involved in Bible translation. I was in Ivory Coast as a translator, and then I've served in a variety of leadership roles. And these days, um, we don't have a title for me, a job title, um, but basically my job is to try and make people think about mission. A sort of roving ambassador, if yeah. you like, yes. Um, Minister without portfolio. Yeah, but not specifically for Wycliffe. Okay. Just to try okay. and help other mission agencies, churches, and anybody to think oh, yeah. about what should mission look like in the 21st century. And you write a lot about mission, don't you? Um, where can we find your writing on mission? Let's just highlight that. Um, you can up, find my blog top. at kouya, that's K-O-U-Y-A dot net. That must have some significance. Well, I know it has some significance. Tell us tell us about the significance of the name. Yeah, kouya is the language that my wife and I worked on in Ivory Coast, translating the New Testament. Um, might tell you some stories about that later. Yeah, look forward to hearing yeah. them. Great. And connection with the FIC. So you've, you've got some connection with the FIC, haven't you? So tell us about that. Well, I grew up in uh, Sunderland Free Church, which has become Trinity Church Sunderland and yep. FIEC Church. Yep. I'm a sent mission partner from above our church in Southampton and FIEC Church. And these days, for various reasons, we live in uh, West Yorkshire, North Yorkshire border, where we worship with South Craven Evangelical Church and FIEC Church. Great. Well, welcome to FIEC Towers. <laughs> I call it FIEC Towers. It's just the two floors, but um, you're very welcome, Eddie. Oh, it's good to be it's here. Great to have us. Uh, great to have you with us. Just tell us a bit about family as well. Um, I'm married to Sue, who's a translation consultant. Her her work is mainly based in Madagascar. She works with um, teams of Christians there who are translating the the Bible into their own language and helps them sort of make the final checks to ensure that their translation is accurate. Um, she used to travel out to Madagascar uh, two or three times a year. These days she does virtually everything on, on Zoom, as mm. yep. the rest yep. of us do too. Yep. Uh, I've got two grown-up sons, one in the Lake District and one in Northern Ireland, and two grandchildren who are in Northern Ireland too. Great. So um, a very full life you must lead. Yeah, yeah, moderately. Yeah. Now, um, we're here to talk about mission. We're here to help church leaders especially think about mission. Yeah. I mean, mission, it's kind of a, it's a massive word and it could mean all kinds of things to different people. So, so let's just define it a little bit. What do we mean when we're talking about mission in this conversation? Um, I, I, let, let me take a step back. Sure. Um, I mean, mission isn't a term that's in the Bible, as you know, uh, church leaders will know. The problem is that we take what we do now and read it back into the Bible. So we know, we think we know what a missionary does. And so we read that back and say that Paul is the greatest missionary. But we end up thinking of Paul in our terms rather than going to the Bible and saying, what should we be doing? So um, I think there are a couple of other things that we do is that um, very often we'll 
define mission in terms of what we do. Mission is going and doing yep. X. Yep. Or we'll define mission in terms of a, a need. People need to hear the gospel. Sure. Um, so, you know, mission mission is meeting that need. And th- those are good things. But I think it's much better, just theologically, generally, if we start by thinking, what is God doing? And so I would see mission not so much as meeting hu- in not so much in terms of meeting human need, the need for the gospel or need for help and support, or in terms of our actions, but we should define mission in terms of what God is doing. And through scripture you see God reaching out to humanity. I mean one of my favorite passages is that wonderful bit in Genesis three where God comes down into the garden and goes around looking yeah, for Adam yes. and Eve. You know, where are you? Yeah, Adam, yeah. where are you? Yeah. Oh, there you are. I I just think that's brilliant. And and in a sense that captures what mission is. But um my own personal definition, um which is personal, is that it's our active participation in glorifying God through our participation in his project to reconcile all things to himself through the cross of Christ. So it's building on there. So that keeps God as the as the primary actor, if you yeah. like, in that drama. And, and we are the, and we're the supporting actors yeah. in, in Oscar terms. Oscars are coming up in Oscar terms. You know, we're not, we're not the actor in the leading role. That's always God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we define it in terms of what God is doing. And um, it's building on Colossians 1.20. And so the cross is right there at the centre, um, you know, and... And glorifying God is part of it. But it says being active, you know, um, having a high view of the sovereignty of God. I believe that God is going to use me for his purposes, whatever I do. Yeah, yeah. But I can't then claim just because God did something through me that that's mission. Yeah. Mission is when I am actively seeking to participate in what God is doing. And that's a very broad definition of mission. Um, and I, I guess one of the things you, you might say as a church leader is, well, hang on, you know, so the... You know, the Christianity Explore course I'm running on yeah. a local estate, that's mission, right, on that basis. Yeah, I would um, say so. Or my even my Sunday morning preaching um, to, to a mixed congregation um, is, is mission on that basis. Yes, I, I would say so. I think, um, there, you know, there are different, it, it's always complex, there are different ways you can look at it, but I think where we are actively seeking to reach out to people um I think there are two key things in, in there are two key things you see in the way God is working. One is that through history he has been calling together a people. You know, you see it through the Old Testament yeah, and the New yeah. who are then sent out. So there's this process of calling people together which involves preaching the gospel, repentance and faith and them being sent out and then there is God's people are supposed to have ethical standards. And I think when we are Applying those things outwardly, it becomes mission. Right. Um, now, if you want to get really, you know, into the details, you can say some things are more missiony than others. You know, or, or, all creatures are equal, but some are more equal than others. Um, but if you are intentionally and thought thoughtfully reaching out to non-Christians in your preaching, then I would say that is mission. Um, but if it's just, well, you know, I'm preaching to the congregation, if there are some non-believers there, that's fine. No. Not so much. Yeah. And I, I suppose um, 
one of the challenges always with thinking about let's let's call it world mission just in terms of sort of yeah. thinking about that mission on a broader canvas is it, it can often be a marginalized part of church life and so much going on internally yeah, yeah. Um, and especially perhaps over the last 18 months you know, there's been so much to, to mm-hmm. manage internally that actually the, that sort of part of world mission is the sort of thing that gets delegated to the the eager the eager beaver will appoint yeah. the mission secretary. Yeah. So, so how do how do we how do we take that broad definition of, of mission and all that it encompasses and make that a key part of church life and not just a specialist yeah. subject? I, I think um, one of the reasons why I want I, I would see mission as including you know the church reaching out to its neighbours um, is that I've yet to see a church which has a really good local evangelistic program that doesn't also have a cross-cultural element. Now, that may involve sending or supporting missionaries to the other side of the world. It may involve an outreach through a um, student's cafe to international students. But when churches are good at doing local mission, they're good at doing international mission. So I see the two as being symbiotic. How do you do it? I... My heart goes out to church leaders. Um, I'm ever so glad that I was only ever a mission agency leader. It's much easier. Um, And you get free trips abroad. How do you build it in? I I think it is important that um, church leaders do take some time to inform themselves of what's going on around the world, to get to grips with what God is doing in other parts of the globe and to think it through. Um... But part of that then involves winnowing it down to a level where you, you just take in, you know, one aspect. You cannot get to grips with everything. You know, it's part of my job is to try and understand what is happening right around the world. It's a key part of my job, and I just can't do it. I can't keep up with the whole thing. So I tend to concentrate on West Africa that I know, and even sure. then it's too yeah. big. Yeah. So I think church leaders need to think about what are the natural contacts I have and to then build on that and try and understand what God is doing in that one section. So it's it's okay for church leaders to, or churches to specialise in a sense in, in that way, do you think? Oh, absolutely. Rather than be generalists and say, you know, we try and cover the whole world. Yeah, nobody can do everything. Yeah. You know, um, and you even even the biggest churches can't have an interest in absolutely everything God's doing. It's just not... It's just so so to, to kind of, do personal connections count in that? So, I mean, if, if you're a church leader, I mean, let's let's say you're a church leader. I was I was a church leader in um, East London, um, in Tower Hamlets, where there's an enormous Bengali community. Yeah. In fact, not just a Bengali community, a Saleti community, which yeah. is a particular part of, of Bangladesh. Um, and did, actually... Did it, you know that 90% of Indian restaurants in the UK are run by Salettis? I, I did know that. Yes, yes, I did know that. <laughs> Thank you. And That's um, one of the uh, interesting things you learn yes. in missionary training. Other, other trivia, please send it to 41 <laughs> The Point Market Harbour. Yes, I did know that. That's right. Um, and, and it's interesting also, the um, we, we um, perhaps this is a bit of an aside, we once tried to appoint um, a, a Bengali worker to work yeah. with Salettis. And we interviewed someone who, um, um, and we said, do you speak Saleti? This is a Christian. He said, I don't yeah. speak the language of dogs. And, and it was extraordinary. We hadn't, we hadn't quite perceived yeah. the animosity there was mm-hmm. between a Bengali and a Saleti. Yeah. And that was a, quite an eye-opener, which we needed to understand in order to be... Anyway, that's, that's by the by. <laughs> um, the point is, 
a church that finds itself amongst a huge community of Salettis should be interested in the gospel going to Saleti communities here and abroad, shouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. Exactly. Even if that is, uh, was not what it was 30 years ago. Yeah, and if and if that means you're not thinking about the gospel going to the Central African Republic, you know what? That's okay. Yeah. You can't yeah. you can't do everything. So something about God's providence. I mean, you're talking about God's sovereignty in yeah. terms of of you know understanding how we we how we see salvation yeah. and that, that sort of thing and mission. But actually there's something about God's providence in terms of where he's placed us and the makeup of the areas we're in, the people who are in the church, the connections yeah, they have. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. you know, it, if if you've been to Bible college or to seminary and, you know, one of your friends is working somewhere else in the world, that's a natural contact. Find out about it. Take an interest D- in it. Does that mean, do you think, that for churches, personal connections count for a lot? I, I think in the kingdom, personal kingdom, yeah, yeah. personal connections yeah. are absolutely central. Yeah. You know, we, we are brought into a family. Um, I think one of the things that hinders ministry generally, but in particular perhaps our world mission, is that we are so individualistic and we think that we've got to do our own thing rather than seeing ourselves as part of a network that God has drawn together. You know, it's, it's great when you tie together acts and the epistles. And just to see all the connections, you know, Paul says, um, uh, well, in Corinthians where he says, um, I, I baptised somebody, I, listing the people he, he baptised, and they oh yeah, and I baptised um, the household of Stephanus. Yeah. And you then realise at the end of the book that Stephanus was there while Paul was um, dictating it. Yeah, yeah. And you can just imagine, hey, Paul, yeah, Paul. Don't forget me. Yeah. 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 But all the way through, you see these connections and Paul's ministry was based on personal relationships yeah. and I think that's absolutely well, that, key. That is interesting because I, I think historically within non-conformist evangelicalism a lot of our connections have been with agencies yeah. not with individuals and I can understand the reasons for that. Perhaps you haven't sent out a missionary yourself and you think well I you know, I love this work or we, yeah. had, we had a connection with someone there 30 years ago mm-hmm. so we've carried on supporting UFM or Wycliffe or yeah. Grace Baptist Mission whatever it may be. Are you saying actually it's better to have personal connections rather than agency connections for church? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean I think if well, you... Why? Why? What's the benefit to the church of that? Because um, I, sorry, I used to be the I used to be the head of an agency, so I've got to be careful here. <laughs> I, I I think you know that um, interpersonal relationships are um, our nature of being brothers and sisters at Elfoy is just central to who we are as Christians. Relationships between organisations aren't. Mm. Um, agencies facilit- can facilitate those relationships; they can help. And if you don't have a natural contact. But you have an interest in Bible translation, well, talk to Wycliffe um, or, or whatever. But it, so I can see that there's a really yeah. important part for agencies there. But but even if you don't have a connection, would would I as a church leader be better to saying to Wycliffe, put us in touch with a couple or, or a person who's working in a particular place or even a, a team that are working on a, yeah, you absolutely. know, they're, they're working in, um, you know, Cote d'Ivoire or whatever. Very good, yeah. Would, <laughs> got that in. So you, would I be better doing that? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Would you, as a as a mission agency leader, have welcomed that? Or would you have wanted to, you know, give us some more money for general funds? <laughs> okay. You've got to pay your general expenses, yeah, right? Yeah, you always want money for general funds. But yeah. no, I would I would encourage links. One of, one of my um, favourite stories is a, a church in Surrey, which was linked with a people group in Chad, um, 
through Wycliffe and got involved in this translation project and got to went. It was a Chadian team, and they went out and got to know the Chadians. And you know, through Wycliffe, they supported this project. When the translation was finished, and Wycliffe were no longer involved, they were still in, they were still friends and brothers and sisters and with and partners with these Chadians, and they kept going. I, I think that's brilliant. And it actually makes it makes the prayer meeting more meaningful, doesn't it? Yeah, because you're praying not just for a sort of a bland group of people yeah. you're playing for individuals you know and, and these days you could connect up with people in prayer meetings in ways perhaps you couldn't 20 30 That's years right, ago I mean, in terms of yeah. you know, zoom or whatever and it makes giving more relevant doesn't it if you're giving yeah. to individuals mm-hmm. rather than person yeah. and you know and if um it, it also makes things like short-term mission trips more relevant you know right. um somebody comes up to you and says you know i've i i, I want to make a trip to nepal well, we don't support we don't support work in Nepal, but we are behind you know these this couple who are church planting in Spain. Why don't you go and spend a week with them? They'd be delighted to. We'll get, we're going to come back to short term mission trips yeah. in another episode because they are quite contentious. You yeah, know, whether they're a good thing or not, and um, let's we'll, we'll come back to that. I, I will take the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let you. Um, we're not in America, so you can't take the fifth. Um, I'm going to force you to engage with the question. Now, um, let's just go back to let's just go back to church life. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of church leaders will inherit. Um, a kind of a, a mission history, yeah. if you like, in a church, which has got all kinds of historic links, mm-hmm. sometimes going back hundreds of years, yeah. possibly in terms of connection. And, and and I like what you were saying, just to come back to this sort of this broad view of mission, and and seeing the the world mission commitment, actually the cross cultural mission commitment on on a broader canvas. Mm-hmm. How does a church leader go about turning the tanker around there? Because because the, the ordinary the ordinary Christian is so focused, aren't they, on a kind of an agency organizational yeah. view of mission and 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 then i can see it's got some value but you've got to set it in this wider context so so advice for a church leader um, is is it through preaching is it is it through prayer meeting how, how might you turn that, that kind of proverbial tanker around i i think um a, a number of things one you've got to be prepared to make some difficult decisions you know there's somebody in your church who has been putting the the Wycliffe magazine at the back of the church for the last 40 years, um, and somebody else putting something else. And so there's a, a, just a mishmash. And I put mine on top. <laughs> yeah, a, mish, you know, a mishmash of things. And yeah, yeah. you've got to be prepared to actually say, look, you know, Wycliffe do a great work, but actually we're not supporting them. Um, so, you know, we're very happy for you to get the magazine, but it's not part of the church now. And so to, church can spread itself too thin in that yes, sense. Yes, absolutely. So I, I think, you know, when you're... Starting to focus, you need to make some difficult decisions. Um, I, I think one of the things that we're not very good at in our evangelical world is prayerful waiting on the Lord. And I think that has got to be, you yeah, know, yeah. preaching, yes, part of it, yeah. but actually as a church, in particular as church leadership, to spend time praying and saying, you know, Lord, what would you have us in, be involved in? You know, you can do all the strategy stuff with them, um, flip charts and everything else, but in the end, a sensing of where the spirit is leading you is absolutely sure. key. So, spend some time just thinking through. You know, what is the Lord saying to us? What are the doors He's open to us? What what are the real relationships we have, and what do we need to stop doing? And I like what you're saying about saying to an individual it doesn't mean that you need to stop supporting yeah, absolutely. So just because this isn't the church part of the church's strategy yeah. at the moment doesn't mean that you know you need to stop receiving the magazine yeah. and giving to Wycliffe mm-hmm. whatever it may be yeah yeah you know because 
again, the whole thing about relationships being important is an individual who's been supporting a missionary for 10 years. That's important mm. and should keep doing it. Are there particular kinds of missionary work, I'm using that sort of phrase very generally, that you think have more value than others? I, I think, that, I mean, I, I, I know from my own experience that if you're going to try and um, speak about a mission organisation or, or a church or a, a ministry, there are some things it's easier to get people's attention with than others. Um, so orphanages, top top of the um, top yeah. of the tree, really. <laughs> and, um, you know, disaster relief, um, it's a... It, People will give generously to disaster relief in a way they won't give to yeah. Bible translation. Mm-hmm. It can be immensely frustrating, I'm sure. But but ought we as church leaders to, to have a, a kind of an idea of priority in some of these things? Well, I think as um, people who call ourselves ev- evangelical, we must have some sort of focus on people or places where the gospel isn't preached. You know, there, there are... Um, or it's about a quarter of the world's population who will never meet a Christian yeah, unless yeah, things change. Yeah. You know, vast numbers of people in the Muslim world, in the Buddhist world, uh, in the Hindu world. So we need to have some sort of focus on some sort of situation like that. Now, it doesn't have to be very far abroad. It could be working class um, communities in the north of England, mm-hmm. you know, which are... Um, have very low numbers of Christians. But there there needs to be some sort of focus on reaching people where the gospel doesn't reach. I think um, on top of that, we need some sort of thinking through Bible ministry. Now, that might be Bible translation and distribution, which I'm very keen on. But also it might be... Just, tr- just, well, let's just pause there. Just give us some stats in terms of, you know, how many people groups are around the world still without... Scriptures and things like that. You must have some of this thing off, some of these data off I, the top of your head. The problem is it keeps changing. Yeah. So I, I had it on top of my but, head. But when broadly I, speaking, there's still a big job to do, yeah. right? Bro- there are about 2,000 uh, languages that need scripture right. translation. And there's about, roughly speaking, there's translation hap- happening now in about 2,000 languages. Okay. Okay. So all in all, there are about 4,000, 2,000 of which are Goodness. happening. I wouldn't have put the number that high. So yeah. that's extraordinary, isn't but, it? But most of those, it has to be said, are smaller languages. Yeah. You know, um, a Bible exists in, Chi- in all of the Chinese, in all of the major Chinese languages. Yes. So that's a quarter right. of the world's population. Yeah. But if you speak a tribal language um, in a remote part of the world, you're unlikely to have a second language, are you? So, yeah. so for you, that's that's the only way you're going to get the scriptures. Yeah. Or if you do speak a second language, you will speak it for buying and selling. Yes. Okay. You know, most people who speak, most people around the world are multilingual. Right. But they use languages in different domains. Okay. And, you know, while you can go to the market and buy whatever you need, it doesn't mean you can express your deepest thoughts. Sure, okay. Um, But, you know, I I worked with the Kuya, about 14,000 people. People might say that's a lot of, you know, spending years translating the scriptures for a mere 14,000 people. Mm. I think most evangelical ministers in Britain would be really pleased if they could read 14,000 people. I mean, that's a quite a good example, actually. So uh, people in um, uh, Ivory Coast presumably speak French. Is yeah. Nas- one of the national languages, yes. isn't yeah. it? So would, would the Kuya also speak French or would they be distanced from that as a, as, a, as a language? Most of the men would speak French. Right. Quite a few of the women who'd been to school for a while would, but a lot of women wouldn't. Okay. But they'd also speak Dula, which is a trade language. Right. And perhaps Guru, which is okay. another local language. Okay. So the Kuya is that becomes the heart, yeah, the heart language essentially. Yes. Which is, I mean, that could be a whole different subject, couldn't it, about the importance of heart languages? Yeah, yeah, okay. 
So um, let's come back to church leaders and just helping them think a little bit about this. I mean, it sounds to me as though um, even if you have someone who's delegated a kind of diaconate kind of role to do some of the admin of of helping a church with collating and thinking through mission, mm-hmm. actually, it, it, it's not to be delegated from an, el- an eldership, is it? It's, it's so much at the heart of what God is doing that it should be at the heart of what the church is doing. Yes, I, I think, you know, like anything else, you can delegate aspects. You know, um, an eldership probably delegates the bookkeeping to a bookkeeper, and you can delegate some aspects of your mission support, you know, the um, organisation, to people who are gifted in that area. But deciding what you should do and taking a lead is an eldership role. I mean, one of the things, it's very different when a church is supporting mission sort of generally... Uh, through prayer or whatever, or supporting a missionary sent by another church. But when you are sending your own missionaries, you know, they, you know, you've laid hands on them, committed them to this work, sent them out. You may not be able to pay all their bills, but, you know, you take responsibility for them. They are effectively a member of your staff. Would you make them a member of your staff? I would, would personally. You would, yeah. 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 Um, I, I think, you know, if somebody is. If, if you appointed somebody to do um, Muslim evangelism in your community, they would be on the church staff team. Indeed, yeah. Yep. If they're doing the same job 3,000 miles away, they're still doing the same job. And I would have them on the staff team mm. and bring them in for Zoom meetings every now and then. Now, you would delegate some of their care and some of their organisation to a mission agency, but they are part of your staff and they need to be to have the same eldership oversight as anybody else. Um, you know, and if they're not eldership material, what are you doing sending them out? Uh, interesting. Spread the gospel. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that could be a whole episode in itself, yeah. couldn't it? Um, just, we've got a, about five minutes left in this episode. Could we just talk a little bit about church-to-church relationships? Because obviously we're a movement of local churches. We, we talked a lot about sending individuals. And I, I guess when you're talking about sending people to pioneer situations, yeah. there aren't churches necessarily to to plug them into. Um, so, so what about relationships between churches locally and in another place is that something that's that we should be pursuing more than we probably do yes i i, I would strongly en- encourage it um if in the show notes there's a, global connections have produced an excellent document on church to church partnerships okay. we'll, we'll get the link and put it in get, the notes yeah. i say it's an excellent document because i edited it okay um <laughs> not at all biased but <laughs> i no hubris in the, um, in the in none whatsoever no, no. um well, yes, it was all other people's material. I, <laughs> I, I think the Paul's image of the church as a body. We tend to see that in individualistic terms, but I think we need to see it too in broader terms. The British Church has something to contribute to the world church, but churches in Africa have something to contribute to us too, and so partnerships are mutual should be mutually beneficial. I think if we go into a partnership with a church in another part of the world saying, what can we give you? What will you receive? It ain't going to mark. It's not going to go anywhere. But just, you know, can we get together and what can the Lord do together with us, through us, in us? Um, we also tend to go into the thing thinking, well, we are the rich people. We'll give money. They will receive money. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Um, mm. You know, there are churches in Nairobi or Lagos which have got more money than any FIEC church. Um, we shouldn't be thinking just in financial terms. You know what? 
Um, you know, it's interesting that Korean churches are contributing to Bible colleges in the UK. Indeed. Yeah, um, indeed. Yeah. So I think, you know, we need to think much more broadly. But yes, partnerships between churches can be very, very rich. The only thing I would raise as a concern is we tend to think about partnerships in places where we have natural contacts. Um, one of the challenges I I sometimes raise if if someone says, oh, we have a partnership with a church in Africa, I'll say, oh, yes, where in Uganda or Malawi is that? (laughs) Um, Because British churches tend to have partnerships in East Africa where they speak English, where you can go on safari, and where you're unlikely to get shot. Yes, so not in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah, that's right. So so who's going to reach the DRC? Who's going to have partnership with churches in... Um, in Bongi and Central African Republic. Yeah. And that's also follows the news channels, doesn't it? So it I, does, yeah. Um, I was preaching just recently at a, a church, which is actually now part of the FIC in Sheffield, which is a, essentially a majority Democratic Republic of Congo church. Brilliant. And um, some of their relatives have been murdered. Yeah. And so we there was a, they had a funeral service here. And um, I tried to find news items on this. People had gone into, mm-hmm. terrorists had gone into a village and murdered the pastor, some of the pastors of the church and, and some of the church workers. I tried to find something on a news, English news channel about this atrocity. Yeah. Nothing, nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, although headline stuff on French news channels. Yes. So it is interesting how actually our whole culture and the way that the, the, the world has worked for the last 200 years does actually shape our information channels as well, isn't it? The, oh, absolutely. The, the news that we yeah. get and stuff like that. I, I would strongly encourage people to follow international media. AFP, um, the French yes. uh, agency, are very good. They they tweet in English, um, Al Jazeera. You'll find things you won't find out on the BBC or British news. Great tip. Thank you. Um Eddie, we're done for this episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Really stimulating stuff. And um, we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks very much. That's great. Thanks for joining us on Independence. Um, You can subscribe on your normal podcast channel. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks very much.